us. Awesome. Well, um, you really are very welcome. Uh, I'm so glad you're here with us. As I said, we're in this uh, kind of mini-series, really, but we're spreading it out. Um, so we've been in our Real Relationship series, and we're still in that, but we're having a short break today uh, to be able to think a little bit about the value of work. Um, so that's kind of where we're going. But I just want to uh, set the scene very briefly. Rich is going to pull up a quick video, and here's a little bit of a, a framing for uh, what I want to be talking about. So why don't you turn your Every day, God sends us, his people, young, old, and everyone in between, out into his world, to the places we normally go, work and school, gym and shop, field and factory, to the people He's put us alongside to do good work that brings good to others, ministering love and grace, snuffing out injustice and speaking truth with kindness, sharing Jesus in word and deed, to see brows unfurrow, hearts soften, wounds heal people set free. Home, school, work, a nation changed. Day by day. we go a nation changed day by day sounds very spectacular doesn't it but actually it just happens in the course of our normal everyday lives as we commit it to God um, really today is about shining a light on you guys you guys who are working in uh, health and community that you guys who are that is your field of work we want this to be an encouraging day but we want to really show where God is at work in your work Um, But to start with, I want to spend probably just 10 minutes talking a little bit about the value of work. Um, So, where shall I start? Um, I think that work is not just a means to an end, but it it has intrinsic value because God says that it's valuable. It's valuable and important to him. And to clarify, when I talk about work, um, I'm not just talking about paid work. I'm talking about uh, volunteering. I'm talking about uh, raising children. I'm talking about unpaid work. I'm talking about uh, the things that are purposeful that we put our hands to. Uh, The actual definition of work is activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a result. Okay, so it's very broad. Um, Work can get a bad rep in our culture, though, can't it? Um, When I started my first job that was more than washing cars badly and delivering soggy papers to my neighbours when I was, like, 13, but when I first my first proper job, as I thought it was, um, I was 16 years old and I was thrust onto a building site and I was an apprentice uh, electrician. Um, And I don't think I had a very good work ethic, to be honest, up until that point. Um, I, at school, kind of complained a lot about the things that I had to do, homework, all the rest of it. Um, But I was super excited about 
my first proper job. Okay? This excitement, though, very quickly started to wilt. And here's why. Uh, the culture that I was on, on building sites when I was 16, and I don't think it's probably changed much now, but it was very much uh, do, like, kind of look after yourself, do the bare minimum in order to get the maximum financial rewards. And because I was, let's say, uh, young and I was new, I got all the most monotonous jobs, all right? So I was running to the van, I was doing, like, all just the go-between things, uh, the jobs that would take a long time, the less interesting ones, you might say. And people would throw phrases around like, at the end of the day, they'd be like, well, another day, another dollar. Another day, another dollar. Another guy said to me at the end of my very first day, I arrived so excited in the morning, and at the very end he said, well, there you go. He was a project manager at the time. He went, he went there you go. Um, that's uh, one day down, just 55 more years and 364 more days to go. And I kind of looked at him and thought, Oh, my life. Like, what have I done? Seriously, it's like everybody I came into contact with that day was kind of uh, stuck in a dark tunnel waiting for, like, the dim light of retirement, you know? That was kind of what it was like. And I was like, I've just come out of school for this. Like, what am I doing here? Um, and I think it's fair to say that that's not unique to the job that I was in, but actually that can be a lot of our experiences at times, lots of nods of the head. Somewhere along the way, sometimes we can lose a vision for what work can be. Uh, and I know that sometimes work will be hard, it will be long and even boring, right? I know it will sometimes be like that. There will be things that we all have to do in our jobs that won't make us want to jump for joy, okay? That is true. We've got a whole week actually entitled How to Make the Most of Work When You Don't Enjoy It because that is the reality sometimes. But work doesn't need to be seen as a means to an end. It's valuable because God declares it valuable. And when we see it as he does, and when we enter into it with the right motivations, I think it can be transformative for us and for the society around us. So our work matters to God. Why don't you turn your eyes to the screen? Let me read this out. This is from Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24. And this is what he says. This is Paul speaking. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When we work as worship to God, uh, it's God working in and through us in the world. Okay? When we work as worship to God, it's God working through us to serve the world. Um, and I don't think we always think about it like this. Uh, and I think here's why. In medieval times, there was a distinction drawn, often within the church, that church work is the important stuff, and that everything else is the stuff you do to get by. All right? That was a distinction that was drawn. Um, and Martin Luther, who was one of the great reformers, remembered for a lot of things, often not remembered for this, but he was one of the first people to draw a line and say, no, no, that, that, that's not true. You can't think about it like that. He was one of the first people who said that vocation and calling isn't just about the church, but we can be called into a vocation no matter what we put our hands to. This is what he says. 
a quote from Martin Luther, he says, all Christians are engaged in God's work, not merely Christians working in ministry. When a baker bakes bread or a musician writes beautiful music, they are the means through which God provides food and art to the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And I think if he was here today, that he, was, he would expand it. You know, he would say, for those who teach people to, to dance, to sing, to write music, for those who are involved in construction, making people's homes safe, for those who are involved in the financial sector so that we actually have somewhere to, to put our dollar, uh, our, our pound, but to use the phrase I used before from the site, that those who are involved uh, educating children and broadening minds and horizons... That all of that is valuable to God. All of that is God working through us in the world. Do you see that if every good thing is a gift from God, that's something that we take as true, right? That the good things we receive, they're all, they're all gifts. They're all gifts from him. We don't necessarily deserve them. They're gifts from him. Then if we take that and involve that and almost think about it in terms of our work, then we have to see that whatever we do, no matter what career we're in, it's God providing for the world through us. And if we see it that way, it will affect how we feel towards our work and the manner in which we go about it. Okay? How we feel towards it, <coughs> excuse me, and the manner in which we go about it. Because if the God of the universe, okay is using you as a way of providing for people, is actively chosen to use you, then it means that you're not just working for yourself, you're not just furthering your own agenda, you're not just even working for your boss or your supervisor who may or may not appreciate and tell you and appreciate the things that you do, right, and make that known to you. But you've been recruited by the king of the universe and he sees all you do. Right? That's what those verses are saying for. He sees all you do. And I think this, has, um, two, this lands in two places. One, I think it's a challenge. And I also think it's going to be comforting. Firstly, though, a challenge for those of us who have a bit of a tendency maybe towards apathy, a tendency towards laziness. This is challenging. This is challenging because when no one else sees or you think no one else sees, God sees and God cares about your work and how you go about it. This should make us want to do a good job no matter how medial the task. You might think something, oh, it's so small, it's so irrelevant. But no, he, he sees it all and he wants you to do it with the right motivations, but do it in a way that is serving him through the people that you are serving. So it's a challenge, but it's also a comfort, because I know a lot of you probably work really hard, no matter who's watching. You're like, I don't care, I'm not doing it for this person who may or may not say thank you, my supervisor or my boss. I'm just, I'm doing the best job I can do. And sometimes you might do it and feel like, this is a thankless task. I'm not getting much thanks for this. And that's okay. You need to know that God cares, that he sees it all and is well pleased. So much so even that he says you're going to receive an inheritance. Did you catch that? Verse 24, an inheritance from the Lord when you work in that way. So ultimately when we're working for God, no matter what our career, no matter what our work actually is, uh, I think there are two implications I want to kind of leave you with before we uh, get the panel up here. Uh, the first one is this. All, it means all work, sorry, even the most menial tasks has great dignity. Great dignity that in our work, we are God's hands and fingers sustaining and caring for the world. 
And the second one is this. It means that actually, uh, no matter what we do, one of our main ways to work to please God is just to do it well. Sometimes people have talked about a ministry of competence. All right, it just means doing your job well. Uh, I was thinking about this. What do uh, passengers need from a Christian airline pilot? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. First and foremost, they don't need them to leave the cockpit and come and tell them about Jesus. All right? They need them to skillfully land the plane. Right? And I'm not saying that we don't celebrate the times where we get to talk about, about God, when we get opportunities to share Jesus at work. Like we do, we celebrate that. We say that's important and we, we love that stuff. But it's also important that you know that when you're just doing your job well, when you're in a job where you don't maybe get great opportunities to share, maybe you're not even allowed if you're working in the NHS or a place like that, there's there's rules around what you can and and can't say today, that you can trust that God is at work in your work just through you serving hard and doing it well. Just doing the best job you can, waking up saying today, use me God, use me today in the things that I'm doing. So I want us to hear from a few people who are doing just that. So I'm going to invite up, uh, come on and join me, panel. Uh, and if the guys who are grabbing the chairs could come and grab them. Let's give them a round of applause. These are our heavy lifters. Thanks, Diego. Excellent. They make that look a bit more seamless on TV, don't they? <laughs> ben, do you want to hold that? Yeah. These are heavier than they look. Awesome. Well, this is fun, isn't it? <laughs> what should we talk about? Ben, do you watch uh, the matches? No, joke. All right. Um, so these guys, I want them to first introduce themselves. I want to say uh, who they are, where they'll be this time tomorrow. Uh, and what it is they do there. So Ben, why don't you kick us off? So my name is Ben. I, um, this time tomorrow, will be knee-deep in textbooks um, because I'm revising for my final medical exams. So I'm hoping that they'll somewhere, somehow diffuse into my brain if I either just surround myself with them or, or nap in them. Um, in the hospital, I, I'm generally the guy who runs down the other end of the corridor, grabs, grabs the notes, says hi to Mavis in bed three, um, and then hand over the, the complex task. Is that to a breach of confidentiality up. that now we know Mavis is in bed yeah, three? Yeah, don't talk about Mavis in bed three, please. <laughs> Just check in. Um, my name is Michaela. I'm a nutritionist and personal trainer, but um, God put a real passion in my heart to help women to find freedom in the area of food and health. Um, mm. So I started my own business earlier this year, and I coach women in doing that. So, oh, yeah, tomorrow, at this time, I'll probably just be at home on my computer working away. <laughs> Excellent. Um, my name is Claire. I uh, This time tomorrow, I will be at work with a client taking a statement for their appeal. So I am an immigration lawyer in a private law firm and I work with asylum seekers and victims of trafficking. Awesome. Um, well, that's what all these guys do. Uh, I wonder, uh, Ben, can you kick us off? Can you tell us what are some of the uh, challenges and what are some of the joys uh, in your work? 
So some of the joys um, are that I get to apply myself in an area of my interest that benefits those around me. Mm. Um, I can pursue a career where I feel there's always some potential for growth or, or learning. Um, and also you get to work with people when they're feeling at their most vulnerable. When they come to the hospital or to any healthcare worker, they want help and it's, it's, you get to know someone in a very real sense, which is a real privilege. Um, in terms of challenges, I would say that working in healthcare is it's a very high stakes, high pressure mm. environment. And so um, that can bring out the best and the worst in people. Um, you know, patients have very high expectations of, of uh, the care that they receive. And so sometimes when that pressure gets really high, um, that can manifest itself as, in terms of staff, it can manifest as complaining or miscommunications, um, and, that, and that can be challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were talking about a, bit, a little bit earlier as well about how there's quite a competitive environment, isn't it, um, that you deal with with other junior doctors and things like that, and not wanting to speak badly of those you care for, but also your superiors. I wonder, could you tell us a little bit about how your faith and how the gospel um, enables you to, I guess, deal with that um, and kind of push through that? So I think it comes back to the verse that you put up um, during the talk from Colossians, um, where it, it's about the basis of motivation for our work. Mm. And the, because of my faith, the basis of my, mot of my motivation never changes. Uh, the verse said, whatever you do, mm. work at it with all your heart, not as serving human masters, but serving Christ himself. And so really what that means in the context of my work is that it doesn't depend on you know, whether my boss is nice or not, or whether the people that I'm working with are, are helpful or not, or the patients are grateful or not. That's not why I do the work that I do. Um, and I think in, in that way, it motivates me to maybe go that extra mile and maybe, um, yeah, keep working. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Michaela, same question for you, I guess. What are some of, the, some of the joys, what are some of the challenges that you are finding as you're starting this business, as you're hoping to see kind of women uh, and guys, I guess, come to a fuller sense of understanding their identity? Yeah. Um, so I'll start with the challenges. Mm. It can sometimes feel like I'm swimming upstream because we are sold the lie, especially as women in this culture, that our worth and value is contingent on the number on the scale or um, the size of our genes. And it's not just individuals who are kind of selling us this lie and pushing this. Um, but corporations, and it's kind of a systemic problem. So uh, the challenge is that it's not, it's very countercultural, um, but the joy is that is the light bulb moment that when a woman kind of when the lies are exposed and a woman sees them for what they are and um, yeah, just like seeing that freedom be released is is what makes it worth it. Mm, that's great. And Claire, for you, um, working often with people who are in pretty tough circumstances who don't know whether they're going to, I guess, be able to stay in the country that they're in now. Um, I don't know, kind of, they've just, they've had an all, like, no matter what their journey has been, like, it's pretty tough. Can you share some of what, uh, how you deal with some of the challenges, what some of those are? Yeah, um, so a lot of, yeah, a lot of my clients are dealing with severe mental health issues. They've come from all over the world and um, most of them have lost family members or they've gone from 
places that they've just they've seen their homes destroyed, and that's why they fled. That's why they're here, and um, so they're vulnerable and very um, mistrustful of any type of authority authority figure, especially the victims of trafficking that I work with, they've been abused repeatedly. So they come to me and to, to them, I'm another person that they can't trust or they have no reason to trust because everyone's abused them in the past. Um, and so I'm in a unique and challenging position to build that trust and to actually say, okay, look, I know you don't have any reason to trust me yet, but I do care about you. I do care about your story. And if you are willing to work with me, then I will do everything I can to build the strongest case possible um, for you. Um, in and amongst that, I think some of the challenges for me personally are that after a while of doing this, um, it's very easy to become skeptical. Um, you, you start to have some of the same types of cases come up again and again, and similar facts reappear. And you do get very skeptical. You go, okay, um, are they adding facts to bolster their claim? Um, are they, um, yeah, making? Are they making stuff up? It sounds mm. it sounds awful, but you do start because you hear a lot of the same stuff. You start to think that, um, and it can create apathy, mm. and you can start to go, why am I, why am I doing this? Um, and I've had clients that have owned up to or having lied to me throughout their cases, and I and I really battle with that because mm. I go. You know, I've worked for four months to build your case, and now you're telling me that actually this bit of your case is a lie. So um, I think I have to work hard at separating that out and kind of go, okay, God, you've put me here, and one person's lie does not mean that every other asylum seeker that I work with is telling me a lie. Um, and so it requires a lot of time, I think, connected to God to go, okay, you know, I'm doing this for you, mm. not for the people. And it's, it's your heart for these people that I need to be constantly reminded of. Um, and I think in addition to that would be another challenge is overwork. So any, like, this is my first graduate job. So yes, I am desperate to prove myself. I want my bosses to think well of me. I want um, to do the job to the best that I can. And so that has resulted in, at least for me, um, working a crazy amount of overtime, um, putting in as many hours as possible. And, um, and it's resulted in burnout. Like mm. that's just, and that's something that I got sort of 15 months in and then um, I had a few high pressure cases collapse on me at once and I crashed. And I had to take time off work. I had to assess my own health and kind of go, this isn't good for me. Um, and then to rebuild from that, and I'm still rebuilding. That's mm. not to say that I'm currently like, it's all fine again. Yeah. It's, it's actually, you know, I am still in the process of rebuilding from that. Um, and that's just to say that I think community is incredibly vital mm. when you're working, and not just, not just working, but um, in general, and I think especially when you're starting out um, in graduate work, is to have community, have people around you that are gonna lift you up and encourage yeah. you. Um, and don't try and go to it in your own yeah. strength. <laughs> you won't make it. That's Sorry. really honest. Yeah. <laughs> you won't. That's really honest. Thanks for um, being willing to share that. Um, can you say just something about some of the kind of more joyful moments, the moments where you're like, <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean it like yeah. that. <laughs> but tell us some of the moments where you feel like, yeah, this is, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, it's not all bad. It's not. <laughs> um, so some of the joys are that I have had a lot of clients who are granted refugee status. And those are the best appointments without a doubt because I get 
to meet with them and go, you know, I know you've recounted your story to five mm. to ten different professionals. You don't have to do that anymore. You have five years. And after that, the route to staying in the UK is just easy, is, is much easier. And so I get to meet with them and go, you have status or the judge believed your, your story. Mm. Um, and I think, and, and, and those moments are amazing. They really are because it, it, you kind of go, okay, everything that I've worked for um, has been significant for this individual. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely the best part of my job. Yeah. And that's great. Um, and the next question I, I think for all of you would be one around what do you think the opportunities are for actually for a Christian in your workplace? And not just talking about the, I don't know, once every six months you might get a chance to have a conversation about Jesus. And yeah, that might be true. But what are the ways that you see yourself living out the kingdom of God in your workplace? So you often hear the saying, um, the doctors and nurses save lives, which I just think is the most pompous <laughs> rubbish ever. Um, I, it's never really sat right with me because I don't think it's in anyone's power, uh, your power, my power, any doctor, any nurse, uh, to save a life. Um, however, I do think what the job allows you to do is to practice compassion. Mm. Uh, Jesus was a man of compassion, and the word compassion means to suffer with. And so I think in the context of healthcare, um, whether you're a, a doctor, a nurse, a porter, a chef, whatever, whatever role you fulfill in that hospital, you can suffer with um, the patients. Um, and what that means practically is that wherever possible you try to relieve and prevent suffering. Mm. Um, but also for the times that suffering is inevitable, mm. um, to bring meaning and dignity to that pain. Yeah. That's great, man. How about for you, Michaela? Where are the what are the clear opportunities you feel? Um, so for me, I have walked through my own journey of finding freedom in this area, and I just know that um, and believe so passionately that God has so much more for us as women and men than hmm. just obsessing and trying to control our food and the shape and size of our bodies, um, and just having the opportunity to walk so closely alongside these women um, in, when they're in quite a vulnerable place and to be able to tell them that they are valuable and worthy and loved mm. is just like an amazing opportunity and I know that um, God's already opened the door for me to be able to give my story about this and tell clients about that, non-Christian clients, and, um, and the reason why I believe so passionately about this. And yeah, so I think it's, it's amazing that, yeah, I feel like it's a really, I feel honored that I get to do that. Mm, that's great. Claire, same question for you, just what, what are some of the clear opportunities for a Christian doing the kind of work that you're, that you're doing? Um, yeah, I think a lot of opportunities to be similar to what Ben was saying, to be compassionate um, mm. and to really demonstrate that you care um, for each individual client um, and to say, you know, I care about your story. Um, I think it's important. I think your life is important um, and that what's happened to you is not insignificant um, and it's not just another number and it's, you're not just another number that the Home Office, you know, another case that the Home Office is looking at. Um, and that often just I guess, manifests itself in the time 
taken to prepare a statement or um, which is often a couple of hours spent with a client combing through their case and going where are the you know where are the issues um, here that we need to to work out um, and I think I have yeah, there's also unique opportunities with colleagues because we recognize that it's a very emotionally taxing job and that every story we hear that they're, they're not positive that they almost always include some element of loss mm. um, and destruction and so we're, so the team is quite close-knit, we rely on each other a lot, and that provides a lot of opportunities, I guess, to go, um, can I pray for you, or, um, or things like that, and those, and those opportunities do arise, so, um, yeah. That's great. Um, lastly, how would, you can start if you want, Claire, this time, how can these guys, how can we be praying for you and your work? Could you all just share just something about, about what would be good for us to be praying for you for? Um, I think boldness and courage to um, to share with colleagues and with clients. Occasionally, I get the opportunity to um, to share my faith with clients. Um, that has its risks when they're Muslim background, believe, or when they're just from a Muslim background, and it's just you just don't know how it's going to be taken with um, with anyone that you share with. Um, and I suppose just joy in the day-to-day -day stresses. Um, it is a it's, I love the job, but it is it is it is very taxing, and mm. so it does require um, being connected to God and seeking joy, I guess, consistently um, mm. from Him. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. How about for you, Michaela? Um, so starting a business has been tough, um, especially because I'm not very businessy. Um, so just the practical side of like business is Who yeah, is businessy that would here? be great. Point to the businessy one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't have very much business acumen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just for kind of God to bring me the right kind of clients, people who really need to hear this message and people who are open to hearing about Jesus too would be great. Mm -hmm. So I can think about two things that you can pray for. Uh, the very first thing, first and foremost, is to pray for those who are suffering. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that he... For all you who are tired and weary, come to me and I will find you rest. I will give you rest, sorry. Um, and so God is very close to the, those who are suffering. And so if there's anyone that you know personally, um, or just people in general in the hospitals who are suffering, do pray for them, uh, that they can feel the, the comforting presence of Jesus. Uh, and secondly, hmm. if you can pray for um, Christians on the, on, the, on the front line of the health workforce, uh, that they would be able to show an example of service, service without grumbling, service uh, that goes the extra mile, uh, so that they can um, be a real influence on the people around them. Mm. That's awesome. Steve, Steve's at work today. Steve the physio. He's at work. Pray for Steve. Indeed. Well, we're going to do that, actually, just right now. Um, can we give these guys a round of applause, though, for us, for being so honest? Thanks, guys. Mm.